British rock legend David Bowie died on this day, January 10th, four years ago. He was 69 years old and lost his life following an 18-month battle with cancer. Today, we will be looking back on the life of David Bowie and seeing what makes him such a force to be reckoned with in music history. Hello everyone, welcome back to our severe case of indecision and our completely biased opinions with Ian and Tyler. You're listening to Sound Audits. How are we doing today, Tyler? I'm doing quite well, Ian. Hell yeah. So today, we are going to be talking about, as we just previously stated, uh, the great David Bowie. Mr. David Bowie, who died this day four years ago. David Bowie, super, super influential musician in music history. Tyler thought it would be a, a nice gesture to kind of remember certain artists. You want to give us a rundown of that, Tyler? Well, with our current format in our episodes, we really just cover music that's currently happening. And I think it's important to go back and know where the music that we review came from. If, you know, you go back as far as you like, really, um, you're going to find influence everywhere in the music that we have today. And there are a few people that were more influential throughout history than David Bowie. So being that the, the date of his passing, um, the anniversary of that is the closest one to when I had the idea. It, yeah, because you had it. It, like it made sense that we cover him first. Real early January of this year, 2020. Currently, it is 2020. If you're listening from the future, then hello from the past. But that's some weird meta shit. But that's okay. So David Bowie has been in these past few years, anyway, a huge influence on my life. I unfortunately can't say that uh, during my early years, I was I had too wide of a taste. Honestly, I can't say that I listened to all the oldies but goodies. Um, there are plenty of people that'll say that I listened to the. Beatles, and uh, I listened to Bob Dylan, and I listened to Pink Floyd, and I listened to Jimi Hendrix when I was like six. I can't say that. I just listened to like Billy Joel, and that was kind of it. So I'm kind of currently still widening my tastes. But David Bowie, I kind of discovered a couple years ago, and ever since then, he's just been kind of a staple in my in my rounds when it comes to music listening. I always find myself coming back to him when I have no idea what to listen to because he was just he was such a life force, a driving force in music in the 70s and the 80s. Um, and even now, his music, a lot of his music anyway, still holds up very very well. And I agree with Tyler that I think this is a pretty appropriate place to start uh, when we're remembering artists, especially ones who were super influential. Yeah, basically what we're going to be doing, how we're going to be formatting this, since this isn't like a good-bad segment, we're not really going to be going over too many of like the negatives of his music or anything like that. At least I'm not. We're probably going to be going over the Tyler handled the history part of this. So we're probably going to be going through the, the dips and the highs in his entire life. And he had an interesting one at that. Uh, we'll also be going over kind of what made him influential in music. I'll be going over some of the um, kind of the genres that he covered, some of his musical exploits, a lot of his uh, different phases, because uh, people 
people have classified him as uh, kind of a genre or musical chameleon of sorts. I've seen critics doing that, and I can see why. He definitely had quite a few personas that he changed through throughout his career, which are super interesting, to say the least, honestly. Uh, and it shows in his music. Everything reflects in his music. I don't know. This is a super interesting person to talk about, and I'm excited to get into it. So, uh, are, are, are we ready to jump into it? Hell yeah! So, following the news of Bowie's death, the UK Prime Minister David Cameron tweeted that the world lost a genius. He died two days after his birthday when his final album, Black Star, was released. His final album includes the song Lazarus, which begins with the words, Look up here, I'm in heaven. The hippie, glam rocker, androgynous icon, soulful white duke, movie star, ordinary guy in a band, father, husband, and a groundbreaking performer until the end. It's hard to think of an icon who lived a fuller life than David Bowie. I'm going to go ahead and give his life a bit of a timeline here so that we can see his achievements and his career through the years in an appropriate manner. In 1962, David Jones forms his first band, The Conrads. In 1966, David Jones officially assumed the name David Bowie after previously trying out the stage name Davy Jones, which was the same name as the Monkees' lead singer. He chose the name Bowie after the frontiersman Jim Bowie, who was famous for creating the Bowie knife. In June of 1967, Bowie released his self-titled debut album, which, along with its first singles, failed to chart upon its initial release. Bowie, however, rose to fame anyway in the early 1970s and was revered as an innovative songwriter and performer, including his particularly eye-catching alter ego Ziggy Stardust. Bowie saw little commercial success in the 1960s until Space Oddity, which peaked at number 5 in the UK charts in 1969. In March of 1970, Bowie married his first wife, model and actress Angela Barnett. In November of 1970, Bowie released The Man Who Sold the World, his first fully realized album, which transitioned the British folk of his earlier release into a heavier rock sound, and also saw the singer playing with the androgynous image he'd helped pioneer. In May of 1971, Bowie and his wife welcomed their first son named Duncan Haywood Jones. In June of 1972, Bowie released his landmark record The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars, a concept album that saw Bowie embracing a flamboyant glam rock frontman status and cemented his popularity in the UK. In 1973, Bowie adopted the persona of Ziggy Stardust. The alter ego became an instant classic and is the one for which he is most remembered. In May of 1974, embracing a more funk-forward sound, Bowie released Diamond Dogs, a dystopian concept album loosely based on George Orwell's 1984. The rise and fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars came to define the glam rock era in the UK and launched Bowie into the global spotlight. Bowie was, at the time, signed to RCA Records and made his first trip to the United States. 
In March of 1975, Bowie achieved a new level of international acclaim with Young Americans, featuring the John Lennon collaboration fame, which would become his number one single in the U.S. In November of 1975, Bowie became the first white artist to perform on the famous music variety show Soul Train. The rock legend's music became increasingly soulful, and by the mid-1970s, he had established himself in the United States thanks to his world tours. In 1977, Bowie released the acclaimed Berlin Trilogy of albums, recorded during his time in Germany. Two of the albums were recorded in 1977, the more pop-oriented Lodger was recorded in 1979. In February of 1980, Bowie and his wife filed for divorce. In September of 1980, taking his talents to Broadway, Bowie starred in a production of The Elephant Man. In 1981, Bowie collaborated with Queen for the one-off single Under Pressure, which became his third number one single in the UK. In 1984, Bowie got his first Grammy, winning the Best Short Form Music Video category for his 20-minute film Jazzin' for Blue Jean, made to promote the single Blue Jean from his Tonight album. Now, The Thin White Duke was his next persona and showed a thin Bowie impeccably dressed in a tight white shirt and even tighter black pants. After recording his Station to Station album as The Thin White Duke, his drug use and deteriorating health saw him relocate from Los Angeles to West Berlin. The following years of isolation saw him collaborate with legendary producers Brian Eno and Tony Visconti and rock singer Iggy Pop. They spawned the smash hit Heroes. Bowie embraced the movie industry and starred alongside Jennifer Connelly in Jim Henson's Labyrinth in 1986. He also appeared and starred in movies like The Last Temptation of Christ, The Man Who Fell to Earth, Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence, and David Lynch's Twin Peaks, Fire Walk With Me. Bowie continued to reinvent himself during the 1980s. His music video for Ashes to Ashes in 1980 became one of the most iconic of the decade, and he teamed up with producer Niall Rogers for 1983's Let's Dance. By the end of the decade, he had joined English-American hard rock band Tin Machine, which released two studio albums. In May of 1989, Bowie and his new band Tin Machine released their de self-titled debut. The 1990s saw yet more incarnations that included a brief flirt with drum and bass music. In 1992, after a two-year courtship, Bowie married supermodel Iman. In 1996, Bowie was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. In 1997, he invented Bowie Bonds, which allowed people to invest in his future earnings. It raised over $55 million for Bowie. He performed at the Freddie Mercury Tribute Concert for AIDS Awareness in London in 1992. In 1997, Bowie received a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. He received an honorary doctorate from Berklee College of Music in 1999. In June of 2000, after playing its very first incarnation in 1971, Bowie headlined the UK Music Festival Glastonbury. In 2003, six of Bowie's albums appeared on Rolling Stone's list of the 500 greatest albums of all time. In 2004, Rolling Stone magazine ranked him 39th on their list of the 100 greatest artists of all time. In 2004, Bowie suffered a major heart attack on stage in Germany and required emergency surgery. In February of 2006, Bowie was honored with the Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award. In October of 2006, Bowie appeared in Christopher Nolan's thriller, The Prestige. On January 8th, 2013, on his 66th birthday, Bowie announced the release of The Next Day, his first studio album in over a decade. On January 8th of 2016, three years later, on his 69th birthday, Bowie released his 25th and final studio album, Black Star. On January 10th of 2016, Bowie died at the age of 69 after a battle with cancer that he kept secret from the public. 
The newspaper The Telegraph in 2016 estimated Bowie's total worldwide sales at 140 million physical copies. In the United Kingdom, he was awarded 9 platinum, 11 gold, and 8 silver albums. And in the United States, 5 platinum and 9 gold records. Bowie was nominated for 24 Grammys and won 7 of them. Bowie was also nominated for 162 other various awards and walked away with 49 of them. On the 25th of March in 2018, a statue of Bowie was unveiled in Aylesbury, Buckinghamshire, the town where he debuted Ziggy Stardust. The statue features a likeness of Bowie accompanied with various characters and looks from his entire career, with Ziggy standing at the front. According to acclaimed music, he is the fourth most celebrated artist in popular music history. It's also worth mentioning part of David Bowie's personality is kind of ever-changing mood on life um, was highly dependent on its circumstance during the time and that reflected heavily in his music. The cocaine that he did in the 70s hugely influenced his music. The album Station to Station uh, that he released in 76, he claimed while he was alive he had no memory of making it because he was so zonked on cocaine. That's outrageous! And there are like songs that are over 10 minutes and shit on there and I'm like you wrote that so stoned that you have no recollection of it huh weird it also had a lot of positive impact impacts on his music it obviously didn't have such a great impact on his impact on his marriage or personal relationships but to david bowie i think a lot of the times it was about his art and that's kind of where it translated best so uh without further ado i'm gonna talk about the guy's music so shall we start that So, David Bowie, the enigmatic, once-in-a-lifetime kind of guy that changed the face of music forever. Started off with very, very humble beginnings in music. Um, obviously, as Tyler said, he had a band prior to actually be d- being David Bowie, um, when he was still called David Jones. And he released some stuff under that, although nobody really gives that the attention it deserves. I honestly have never really listen to it it's probably worth going back and looking at though i honestly didn't know that his real name wasn't david bowie until you said something so but his first album under david bowie he released in the late 60s and that was his self-titled and this is a a bit of a weird album to talk about because this is kind of a one-stop thing that happened here this is something that david bowie never really okay i'm not gonna say he never really went back to it but he never plowed into it full force like he did on this album this is uh 12 tracks and 31 minutes of a lot of baroque pop and british folk and he dabbled in that in his next release with space oddity but he went much more in a baroque pop baroque pop lane uh with his self-titled album and you kind of have to take this album kind of with a grain of salt it has a sense of humor a lot of times and a lot of times it's kind of weird for the sake of being weird but and i mean granted this is 1967 so weird for the sake of weird 1967 might not sound too crazy or anything like that but there's there's some weird shit uh on this album especially for the time it's also worth mentioning that people don't agree 
on how many official studio releases David Bowie has. I've seen places that claim he has 28. Some other places say that he has 26. Some places say that he has 27. It's somewhere in that ballpark. I don't know what officially counts as a release anymore. It's kind of ambiguous, but I'm going to be talking about, I have not, I'm going to come out the gate and say that I have not listened to every single one of David Bowie's albums in uh, my relatively short lifetime. There are a lot of them, and there are also a lot of them that uh, critics and fans alike kind of dismiss, especially in the 90s and the 2000s, early 2000s, that is. He kind of went off on a weird tangent with albums like uh like Heathens and um Earthlings and albums like those that don't really get much attention or praise from anyone, really, because they just didn't feel like Bowie. And I mean, there have been a lot of artists that have had dips like that in their careers. I I kinda wanna talk about the the highs, because shortly after shortly after his self-titled, he started releasing I mean, he released the Space Oddity record, which brought him new international acclaim, as well as critical acclaim, um, that would be essential to the next couple of albums here. Um, because shortly after that, he released Hunky Dory. And Hunky Dory, although in my opinion it is not as good as the album that came after it, it is still a very, very important moment in David Bowie's career. This is sort of where his glam rock would start coming out. And glam rock for those who don't know, is kind of a very, very glitzy and flamboyant, very kind of almost campy. It's like a stage presence, uh, but it's in a song. And people like Elton John would dabble in it later, people of that nature. But David Bowie was really the one of the first artists to go full throttle into glam rock. And, um, I mean, he dabbled in a lot more. There's a lot of piano rock in what he does. David Bowie was a very talented, very talented artist when it came, comes to just about anything. Um, and although I've heard that some people don't really like his vocals, they're kind of, I'm not going to say they're hard to get into, but some of, sometimes people will say that his voice just isn't for them. And I can see why he doesn't have a particularly incredible uh, set of vocal cords, but he makes up for that in personality and a lot of times lyrical content. And Hunky Dory, released in 1971, kind of highlights a lot of the weirdness that David Bowie would be uh, dabbling in in his later years. I mean, there's some definitely poppy tracks. Life on Mars is very lavish in its instrumentation. Lots of rich chords and really long, drawn-out vocals and kind of has an art pop, or not art pop, art rock, art folk kind of vibe, um, and Changes is this really upbeat, I love the track to death, it's this really upbeat piece of piano rock, uh, mixed with the glam rock, uh, it's super catchy, it's super fun, and a lot of the other things on here, like Song for Bob Dylan, Queen Bitch, Andy Warhol, those three songs kind of are telling of what he would do later in his career in terms of style, as well as just the uh, left field territory that he would be inhabiting in the later parts of his career, because although David Bowie was very, very, uh, well known for his glam rock, uh, especially on Hunky Dory and the next album, Ziggy Stardust, he was also very well known for his experimentation throughout his music. And Hunky Dory does bring us to the 1972 album, uh, his rise and fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars. And this album is hailed by many to be his greatest effort ever. Uh, I personally disagree. I love this album to death. It's his first concept record, or at least full concept rep record, and it's about 
It's about how Earth has five years left to live uh, because people fucked with it so much. And it's this rock and roller who claims that he can communicate with aliens. And then he commits suicide at the end. And there are spiders from Mars at one point. It's, it's not super, like, tight or anything like that. But the record itself, musically, is fan-fucking-tastic from front to back. Soul Love is super sweet, and it's super upbeat. I love it. Same with Moon Age Daydream. Starman is one of my favorite Bowie songs ever to be written, period. It's just a fantastically written song. And he would be... He's kind of, in these songs, dabbling in the different effects that he would be well known for as well later in his music playing with the analog tape recordings that they were currently using and manipulating them to create uh what artists now use as delay and reverb and um as well as echo and uh chorus and flanger and all of those other things that artists now use to enhance their music today he was kind of dabbling in back then but the rise and fall to Siggy stardust this is early 70s now as well and this kind of brings us to after this we get station to station a time after that which he was so fucking high out of his mind that he didn't know what he was doing which is kind of funny to me station to station not my favorite bowie album but still an important point because this brings us to one of the most celebrated points of his career and that is the berlin trilogy uh the berlin trilogy is not an easy listen honestly and for very odd reasons as well it consists of three different albums recorded or claimed to be recorded semi-recorded in berlin um they weren't completely recorded in berlin heroes was the only one that was mostly recorded in the city uh but low and lodger were both recorded elsewhere a lot of the times he was kind of all over the place but it's called the berlin trilogy because that's sort of where he was situated at the time and to many critics and fans alike, this stands to be one of the greatest achievements that really art rock or rock in general, 70s rock, really ever achieved. And I can kind of see why, because the albums themselves dabbled in a technique and a flow that nobody had ever dared to try before in rock music, ever. While Station to Station was kind of following Pink Floyd's Animals or Have a Nice Life albums. I think that's what it's called. If I, if not, then I'm sorry. It was kind of dabbling in those like, okay, it's five or six tracks long and it's super drawn out, super long songs. This is more... Okay, I'll tell you the way that this is strung out. The first half is very, very short, concise pop songs. Art pop is what they're called. And the last half of the album, all three of these albums are, uh, save for heroes, are instrumental tracks. And they're completely ar arranged by David Bowie. And Brian Eno also had a, had a hand in all this stuff. And, uh, actually Brian Eno and Tony Visconti. It is Visconti. Okay. They both had huge hands in a lot of what was going on in these albums. But of course, David Bowie was the mastermind behind it all. This is such a new concept, and it's so hard to get into, because the first time, at least that I listened to it, I, number one, was not expecting just completely instrumental to finish off the entire half of the record. I started with low, um, and I did not know what to think at first, and just upon deep dives of the significance of this record and what it did and what it kind of led to is insane because this paved the way for so many other artists to play completely with the flow of their albums and what they did with it and 
the just the instrumental choices as well as a lot of the ambience that he dabbled in in a lot of the instrumental tracks here and just the way that they are arranged it led for the broadening of the term rock and what it could be really used for completely as well it's really something to behold this album and i mean he had a off of low he had like one hit uh sound and vision got a little bit of radio play but other than that this is really left field especially for a rock album of the time and not to mention that he was kind of i i mean the album title low could give you an idea of where his headspace was at. Again, he was addicted to cocaine. He was having a, a troubling marriage, as well as depression, uh, as many artists deal with at that point. And he mixes so much art rock and art pop, as well as even bringing influence from classical and jazz music into his instrumentals. And it just, it, again, I'm going to say that it broadened the term rock music and what it could be. And this is, this holds true for the other two for the other two albums in the Berlin trilogy as well. Uh, Heroes is honestly, personally, one of my favorite Bowie records of all time, mainly for just the way the songs are written. His weird, quirky personality all over the tracks here. This album is actually... Well, I can't say it's quite a bit longer because it's not. It's only like a minute longer or something. But it's 10 tracks instead of 11. Uh, so the songs on here are more substantive immediately. And I love them to death. Heroes stands to be just a, a fucking anthem. And it's it's just essential in the classic rock listening catalog. Like, it's, it's there and you can't not say it's there. It happened and it's huge. And a lot of the other tracks on here as well, Moss Garden, Sense of Doubt, V2 Schneider, all of the arranged tracks in the second half are otherworldly and they're, the ambience is fantastic. It's, it's really kind of inexplainable. It's an experience and I would say you have to experience it for yourself. And this holds true for the final album as well. And, Coming off of the Berlin Trilogy, David Bowie was basically one of the most critically acclaimed artists to come out of Britain, save for the Beatles, honestly. And, I mean, he and the Beatles, since the Beatles disbanded in 1970, he, the Beatles, of course, were a huge influence for him, but he, as well, had an influence on the Beatles' solo material uh, when they broke up, whether that be Harrison or Cartney or even Lennon with some of his folkier uh, exploits. And for someone that influenced the Beatles, like that's that's a huge, huge deal for the amount of influence the Beatles had as well. Um, after this, since this was late 70s, this sort of brought him into his 80s, 80s phase. And this is a bit of a weird one. This is where he starts to fall off the, the, the fucking deep end with albums like uh, Scary Monsters and Super Creeps. This album is insane. It's batshit crazy. Uh, this is sort of where his experimentalism in his instrumentation starts to come into the fold with so many different effects on so many different instruments that have basically never been heard before. And some of them were even abrasive and noisy and just fucking wild for the time, especially in rock or uh, pop rock. Not pop rock, but um, glam rock and all that shit. Although glam rock was sort of coming down off of its high in the uh, in the late seventies, and it was kind of falling out of style. And Bowie realized that, so he took to more weirder, darker 
instrumentation in general. That's exactly what Scary Monsters is. It's 10 songs and 45 minutes of what in the hell is going on. And this album was released in 1980. It's 40 years old. This still holds up today with uh, its what-the-fuck scale because it's just so mind-bending and what in the hell. So many of the songs on here are so well-written, too. David Bowie was an incredible songwriter, and that is undeniable throughout his music. He also had a pop phase in 1983 with his album Let's Dance, with tracks like Modern Love and the title track, um, which is like seven minutes long, which is wild. After the 80s, Bowie had a rough 90s as well as a 2000 period, and this is sort of when the cancer set in, I believe, in the late or in the early 2010s, and this is when he released the album the next day, and this finally, for fans and critics alike, was kind of a return to form for Bowie. It wasn't like out the gate fireworks and explosions were going off and everything, and it was this big comeback or anything like that. It wasn't a comeback story, but it was it was a long-awaited return to just the Bowie style for a lot of people, and with his sudden passing in 2016... He released Black Star. Black Star, I think, even though it's not a super old record, four years old at this point, this will probably go down as one of the most important points in Bowie's career. Now, to preface this, David Bowie on Black Star collaborated with a jazz band. He was in, obviously he was in a very dark place when he wrote this album with the cancer setting in and he basically knew that his time was up and that is the entire headspace of this album. It is wild, to say the least. The jazz combo is Donnie McAllison's, uh, McAslin's, uh New York City-based jazz combo and... This album is a lot of things. This is David Bowie returning to some of his more experimental roots, not in the same way that his other albums were experimental, though. This album is seven songs and 41 minutes long, and it is a 41-minute deep dive into what staring death in the face looks like. And as Tyler stated before, the, the opening line to Lazarus, the look at me, I'm in heaven, themes of facing God, facing death wondering what is beyond, wondering what the hell is going to happen to the people you leave behind. All of it shows up on this album. Speculation on what could have been. Uh, speculation on what was and why exactly it happened. And this album is not a concept record. It doesn't, there's no storyline or anything like that. It really just holds to the theme. Again, staring death in the face uh, and knowing exactly what it looks like. And the song Black Star, uh, the title track, the first track on here, kind of details where the album goes uh, in its 41-minute runtime. And the lyrics are dark, 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 and they're foreboding. As well as the song in general is so unbelievably out there. The first time I listened to this album, I thought he was absolutely on crack but no it just turns out he was dying and my god i can't believe that the songs on here exist black star is a nine minute sprawler of a track um that goes through multiple phases the beginning instrumental is so kooky and off the wall and black in its 
aesthetic. It's unbelievable, as well as just the darkness in his voice and the foreboding and the fear, the tension that you can feel across this album. It's just palpable, uh, as well as David Bowie in his old age. Again, he never did have, like, he was not, he was never going to be the Sean Mendez or something of his time. He didn't have pipes like that. He was different. Uh, and in, in his old age, of course, he was deteriorating a little bit faster than the normal person would with cancer. And... Despite that, he still manages to find ways to use his voice in clever and personality-filled ways. Again, despite him sounding like his age, sounding gravelly, and sounding kind of defeated on some of the songs here. But God is does this album. He It was kind of his fuck-it point, where he just decided to release the most out-there music that he possibly could. Tis a pity she was a whore. Uh, track two on the album is equally as nuts, if not even more nuts. Some of the tracks here are so raw and jazzy in their instrumentation. Some of them feel like avant-garde jazz pieces, sometimes with a much more driving rock beat. He dabbles in distortion a lot in the drums as well. Uh, the performances across the album are incredible, but what makes it so great is the way that David Bowie delivers across the album and how much heart and passion he puts into pondering death, basically. And death has not... It's not a new topic for artists in general to talk about, um, but never has it been approached from the place that David Bowie was in. At least not in album form. Not like this. Not as black as this comes off. It makes for one of the most interesting experiences I've ever had. One of the most harrowing and scary experiences that I've had in music in my life. And, I mean, some of the songs on here are just so good. I, I can't even say some of them. All of them are. This is one of my personal favorite albums of all time, just because of what it meant to him and his lifetime and the people around him. And this is basically the dying breath of one of the greatest artists that ever lived. And just realizing that, like, it gives me chills. It's unbelievable. The balls that this took, just the, the amount of guts that it took to face death like this. And death is one of those things that, I mean, I don't think very many people understand, uh, if any people understand it. <laughs> I certainly don't, so it's really, it's a humbling experience when you hear it told in the fashion that it is from someone who lived his whole life, lived a full life at that, did so many things, saw so many things, and ex really experienced life for what it is, and then was forced to sit down and look at death. And he put it out in album form for us. People aren't going to agree with me on this. This is critically acclaimed as well. This was a very, very well-received album. It's, if not my number one David Bowie album, it's real close to it. It's one of my personal favorites, and I think it'll go down as one of the most important moments for Bowie, and one of the most important in this decade for the 2010s, or last decade, I guess, at this point. But he took everything that he was experiencing, and all of his moods and his personalities, and the way he changed uh, all of his phases during his career kind of enunciated, or were enunciated in his music. And his death was no exce exception. Not many artists really had the balls to do that. The only other artist that I can really think of is Johnny Cash, uh, with his, the end of his American series. 
where he went into topics like that, but even he didn't dive into it as deep as David Bowie. This is honestly like the best career top off that anyone could ever wish for. If I had a highlight reel, I'd roll it, but I don't. So, I mean, that's my spiel. David Bowie just changed the face of music forever, influenced so many people through his music. I, I He's not going to be forgotten for a while yet. If you haven't listened to David Bowie, I'd go give him a listen. That's it for me. So are we ready to close this thing off? We good? Let's go. I hope that we have adequately covered David Bowie. I don't really think that there's any way that you can cover David Bowie. At least even, not in the amount of time that we've allotted. Like, it would take hours. Even the the people who are most familiar with him still argue how many albums he's actually put out. Officially. Officially. There's so much to be talked about here, and we aren't trying to cover every aspect of David Bowie we're just trying to give a highlight reel of sorts to his incredible career. Yeah, who he was as a person, his music in general, kind of what shaped him, what shaped his music, what his music sh ended up shaping. Uh, there are details that we certainly missed. I know I missed details. Again, I haven't listened to every David Bowie album, so I can't tell you exactly every facet of his career, um, what it looked like. I'm the David Bowie historian. I'm just a 19-year-old broke college kid. So, kind of our point here is David Bowie was a great man and a incredible musician again i'm gonna say a force of nature in music history he is worth remembering his music is worth remembering and listening to especially for all of the influence that it had over artists of the time artists now are still listening to david bowie and coming up with shit that sounds like him 40 50 years later uh which is insane to me it's it just tells you the scope of his reach it's it's outrageous to me and i mean again david bowie is one of my personal heroes and just how great the music he released was and he as a person also was super interesting my grandparents got me a book of his interviews that i haven't i haven't gotten through it yet but it tells different stories about him throughout his career and who he talked with and what he talked about he had some political opinions that he dealt in he was a very very well grounded and very logical person as well as kind of off the wall at some points and unhinged depending on what point you are in his career he came out as bisexual in the 1970s which at the time was unheard of wasn't really a normal accepted thing and in the uk when he came out it had only been legal for a couple of years to openly be bisexual he wasn't exactly popular in that respect, but throughout his music and all of his personas and aliases and everything that, that he accomplished, he overcame all of that. But that also had a large impact on his music that he put out during that time. It just tells you what kind of a person he was and how daring and out there he was as a musician as well. And I mean, he's become an icon for it and rightfully so. So that was our little overview of David Bowie as a musician and why you should go and fucking listen to him. I'm happy with it. Um, go listen to David Bowie and all of his albums. Maybe not all of them. Uh, go and cherry pick. Go, go do something. Just go listen to David Bowie. That's my point. I don't know. What's your point? 
Don't miss out on someone who influenced what's going on right now. You worded that much better than I did. Anyway, thank you all very much for listening. We probably were going to be... We've been talking about it. We're probably going to be releasing more of these, uh, depending on how well they're received, I guess. If you don't like it, probably won't do it anymore. But if you enjoyed what you heard um, and you want us to get better at it, which we very definitely will over the course of doing this, then let us know. Go hit us up on the socials and give us all your feedback. Something like that. We're same handle, Sound Oddest Podcast on Instagram. Tyler, you have anything to add? Okay. Well, thank you for listening. We will see you same time next week, Friday, 9 a.m. Eastern Standard. If more of these episodes come out, they will be coming out on the death dates of the people who um, we are talking about. We'll find a way. We'll find a way to detail how we're going to be handling these uh, in the near future. We will see you soon in the next episode. Until then, take care. Peace.